0: Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom McCarthy. So happy to be with you. Starting the month of November, my goodness, it's going to be a great month here at the castle. Starting off this weekend, it's John Heffron weekend here at the castle, beginning Thursday, the 3rd of November. He'll be in town for five shows. Was not able to line up a new interview with John, but I will at the end of this episode. Replay our conversation from last year at this time. I think it still has a lot of life in it It was a terrific talk with John uh, So I will be playing that later, but he is a favorite here at the castle has been playing here for years and years and years We love having a man that is our headliner this weekend or excuse me John is our headliner this weekend, but we've got a busy week regardless of that beginning tonight Tuesday the 1st of November is our comedy class 101 showcase Lots of new and aspiring comics taking the stage for the first time in front of a big old showroom full of people. We hope that you will be there if you've not checked one of these out. Do not miss it. That's 7.30 tonight, the 1st of November. Tomorrow night, the 2nd, at 7.30 p.m. It is our world-famous open mic night. One of the best open mics. I know I'm biased. I'm sure I say this all the time, but it truly is a fantastic open mic. The depth and quality of comics we have here in the Detroit area... Blows my mind. It's been that way for all the many, many years that I've been doing it myself. Make sure that you check this out. 7.30, tomorrow, the 2nd. And then, Thursday, the 3rd through Saturday, the 5th, four or five shows, John Heffron. 7.30 p.m. on Thursday. 7.15 is the early show on Friday. 9.45 is the late. 7.00 p.m. on Saturday, the 5th. Is the early show and the late show on Saturday the 5th is at 9.30 p.m. Call the castle at 248-542-9900. If you have ticketing needs or questions, better yet, go to their website at comedycastle.com. A couple clicks, you will get your tickets right there. I should also mention Sunday the 6th, Michael Rappaport is in town for two shows. The 7 o'clock show is sold out. There are still some tickets on a very limited basis for the 9.30 show. Many of you know Michael, famous actor, comic, podcaster. He's got his hands in a few different things. He's very successful at all of them. And as an added bonus, I will be opening these shows. Very excited. Very excited. I've done Sunday shows before at the Castle usually opening for someone and the Sunday shows because of the nature of the acts we have in on Sundays are usually full audiences um, sellouts many times that's the case this weekend and they're so fun to open up I love it I love it I love it so please come on out say hi love to have you so again that's Michael Rappaport on Sunday the 6th limited tickets only for the late show all right I think we've covered the business. Let me give the castle phone number one more time, 248-542-9900, and of course, ComedyCastle.com. This week's interview, I should say this week's newly minted interview, uh, in addition to the replay of John Heffern from last year, is uh, Tyler Nissen. Tyler Nissen is a great local comic. Many of our listeners probably already know Tyler or have seen him. He's really made a splash on the scene in the last couple years. I've enjoyed getting to know him, and I just—you'll hear us talk about it in the conversation. But he's just a real smart writer. He's got—he's um, got a solid delivery. Kind of tough to put a finger or a thumb on his exact style, but he's one of the comics. My favorite comics are the ones that I don't necessarily know their viewpoint right off the bat. You got to kind of absorb and see the act. And and listen to the words that are being thrown at you, and you can see where the comic's coming from. I guess that's my best way to describe Tyler. It was a great conversation. I enjoyed having him on. And then we're going to go straight into the replay of last year's interview with John Heffron. I don't know how much of an intro John even needs anymore. One of the most popular comics we have coming through the castle on a regular basis. A favorite son of southeast Michigan... Uh, many people know him he He first made a splash on the national stage. He won season two of NBC's last comic standing that sprung sprung him into i guess would it would it be hyperbole to say the stratosphere of the comedy universe? I don't think so. Uh, parlayed that into appearances on the Tonight show uh Chelsea lately uh, many, many uh, things and John has had a great career that got started right here and an interesting fact. We'll talk about it, uh, or you'll hear us uh, chat about it in the interview. But the Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast studios uh, actually are in a a suburban enclave called South Lyon, Michigan. We're about 10 miles north of the city of Ann Arbor, Michigan, about 40 miles west of the city of Detroit, just kind of on the fringe of the suburban sprawl. And John Heffron came from this town, graduated from South Lyon High School, and and we talk about it again in the interview, but there are so many uh, there are so many John Heffern stories that still uh, float around this town. It's really cool, uh, and it's it's always always get a kick out of hearing them. So there's a little setup for that. That's what the show is this week, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy my conversation with Tyler Nissen, and then we'll go straight into the John Heffern replay from last year. Hey, ladies and gentlemen. On the other end of my line is a fine local comic, Tyler Nissen. Thanks for doing the show, Tyler.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. Appreciate it.
0: the uh, The first thing I have to ask you is, uh, you know, I've known you. Uh, it's the years are just just run together. Uh, but yeah. I, I, you've been in my awareness, my field of vision for the last couple of years. Uh, but. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been on your your Instagram or your Facebook other than to wish you a happy birthday or something. So in preparation for our conversation today I'm making some notes and seeing what you've been up to and I have to ask you your 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 background photo on Facebook it is it's a lovely picture of a mountain scene with a, with a little uh, river flowing through it. Where is I need to go to this place it just soothes me looking at it.
1: I I hate to break the news. I am a poser. Uh, That's actually my buddy who was in Norway took that picture. And I was like, dude, I'm going to steal that picture because it's so amazing. I swear I don't steal jokes, but I do steal my buddy's photos.
0: You know, that's a novel uh, concept because, you know, as the years go by, I always thought I'd be a world traveler and I've been a few places. And it, it always disappoints me the places I haven't been to. But if I just live vicariously through my friends, I really don't need to go anywhere.
1: You know, yeah, soon enough you'll have VR goggles and you can sit in your <laughs> your home office and travel the world.
0: Yeah, shit. I, I, I always tell people, although although I've not been around the world, I have been to every country at Epcot several times. So, you know, <laughs> if if you need any travel tips on fake England or fake Germany or fake Mexico, I'm your guy.
1: I will 100% pick you up on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to, um, the first thing I said uh, when when I'm trying to figure out uh, with some of the newer comics, uh, at least newer newer to me, newer people on the scene, it's always so difficult because in the in the 12 or 13 years that I've been doing shows again here in in Michigan and in, in the southeast Michigan scene in particular, every couple of years there will be a new gr- group of guys and girls who come along that that kind of stick and 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 you know their stuff and all of a sudden they're getting shows. So it's hard for me to really pinpoint again when I first saw you but you've been getting quite a bit of work for the the last year year and a half can you kind of give our listeners a little bit of background on how you got into the scene what your motivations were
1: yeah yeah definitely you know I when we first met was actually probably around 2000 late 2014 um 2015 time and uh, that's when I first did Bill Bouchard's 101 class and I was like just right out of college um first getting into stand-up, and so I did stand-up for about a year and a half or so, and uh, my, my motivation there was just like, oh, you know, I was always a funny guy in and, and social conversations with people. I was like, oh, this is something uh, I think I can actually do, and uh, I, I, I remember asking my mom and, like, my sister, I was like, should I, should I do the class? I'm so scared. Should I do the comedy class? And, and we did it, and, or I did it, and it was a blast, and so then started doing, like, some contests there, and, and, and again, that's when I first met you, and then I took like a five year break and just really focused on corporate America, sold my soul for a little while and did the, the whole sales thing for a while. And then eventually like I, the whole time I was like, I got to get back into stand up. There's just this inkling inside me. I was like, I need to get back into stand up. And, um, and in about 2020, uh, I was that class of people who, Decided to be like pandemic comics, you know, there's this whole group of people <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the worst time to ever gather. If people decide to go to dive bars and do open mics, and uh, I was one of those uh, re entering into stand up, and uh, yeah, since then, just been really, you know, annoying bookers and trying to get as good as possible and trying to get on people's shows and really hone the craft and build up time. And as you just keep doing it. It just you just it, you start networking. You don't even realize you, you don't even realize you're networking. And then um, I think an important thing is to kind of put it on social media that you're doing this. And so people who do book shows start to see that oh this person is actually right. doing comedy. And and I'll put them on the show too. And. You know, yeah that 's kind of a quick synopsis of my my little story there. And, that,
0: and that does refresh my memory now because now the light bulb's going on because i I remember uh, I do remember your story because we have some similarities i I started comedy and then I took a much longer sabbatical. I took almost fifteen years off so it's, wow. it's so it 's such a strange thing too when you when you think about your initial phase in comedy when you took bill 's class, so much of it is just overcoming your fears and and you know yes. getting comfortable on being on stage and that 's such a big part of it. And you see people, I think I crossed that bridge when I first started when I was 19, 20, 21 years old. And it's like, I got the hard part out of the way. And then for a variety of dis- different reasons, I was like, screw it. I'm done with it. And, yeah. uh, but it just, it just never left me. It sucked me back in. So I'm glad your sabbatical was only five years. You were not nearly, uh, as yeah. rusty. And I, I also think too, that one thing that, um, i like about when i see you on stage and your material and your act is you're kind of neutral like your persona and just who you are doesn't necessarily pull people in but it doesn't necessarily alienate people either um it just hey let's listen to this guy's material and let's see what his point of view is some people and i think it's a trend um uh, I think it's a trend of, of some newer comics is they just come out guns a and This is my persona yeah. and here's my point of view. And I like a more yeah. nuanced approach. Let me listen to you and see what your point of view is and see who you are. And I think sometimes yeah. being somewhat neutral can be a good thing in comedy.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I appreciate that. It's uh, You know, the whole like finding your voice thing. I think that I, I'm slowly getting there. But I've really only been taking stand up really seriously the past like two and a half years. This- two and a half years or so and I just my number one thing is always just been focused on the funny like where can I find the funny where's the punchline? and I know for me when I go to a show like when a comic starts getting political or starts getting super woe is me I just I start checking out like yeah. I love the silly goofy uh just make me laugh type of stuff you know and and one thing I want to elaborate speak to as well is when you're talking about how like you got over the hard part when you're first getting into stand-up. For me, I think when I was first starting out, I got right up to the like point. I built like a, a decent, an okay five minutes for a starter that was getting consistent laughs, but I never allowed myself to get into the place where I would just consistently bomb at open mics. I was too scared. I was, yeah. I was too scared to go into that realm. And so dipping back into stand-up now, it's been fun to be like, okay, I'm going to play with this, and I might die on stage, but that's okay.
0: You know? Yeah, I mean, it's I always say to regardless of where your life and stand up takes you, the experience you've already gathered, like it is so applicable to any uh part of your life. I mean, if you can stand in front of 300 people and hold their attention for even 10 minutes, well, like yeah. what can't you do in life? <laughs> yeah. You know, it yeah. is it is something that if 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 you can whether it's God-given or a skill you can hone over the years, maybe a combination of both. Um, It it, it just really gives you confidence in other aspects of your life, uh, even if sometimes you can be in front of an audience and not be that confident. Now, you said yeah. something interesting um, when our conversation began that you were kind of the funny guy in social circles and and, and yeah. in, in school or what, or what have you. Isn't it interesting how that doesn't mean shit when you start doing comedy? Uh, yeah, because I was a exactly. class clown and hey, I'm funny. I may as well give this a try. And you're like, oh, this is a wholly entirely different thing.
1: Yeah, being funny in conversation is so much different than going up with a blank slate and trying to get people to get on your side and hear what you have to say. Yeah. Uh, to even trust you to make them laugh is, uh, it's totally different because in, in a social conversation, you can reference the things around you. There's inside jokes. It's totally different. I love how Louis C.K. will say that. And I think one of the specials he opened up saying something like, there is no reason for me to be talking to you right now. Like this is (laughs) logically, this makes no sense. And you really have to overcome that. Like, I think one of the biggest, one of the best, best things i learned is just like, you really do control the energy up there. If you go up and just start talking right away, the crowd doesn't care about the logic. They're just like, they're, they're ready just to hear whatever you have. Oh, absolutely. You know, so yeah. like going up there, just go right into it, you know,
0: um, somewhat on a tangent and a brief sidebar, which is very typical of my interviews here on the Mark Ridley's Comedy <laughs> Castle podcast. Have you seen the new Louis C.K. movie with Joe List?
1: I did. I saw it in the theaters.
0: I, I, My Louis moratorium is I don't even know how things happen. I, I love Louis. I I don't know the full details of, of what happened in his personal life. It seems pretty yeah. seedy. It kind of disappointed me. But you know what? Yeah. I always saw it as an artist and as a performer, I really admired the guy. Uh, I yeah. thought his TV show was one of the best shows ever. So I decided when I saw the trailer and heard a couple of inter- interviews, it's like, OK, I'm releasing the moratorium on Louis. It's over. I'm going <laughs> to give it a shot. So you yeah. recommended it. it was a good film
1: yeah yeah it was good it was especially i'm i'm of course biased because i'm a huge joe list fan um and i just saw him recently at the castle when he was there this past weekend great great set Mm -hmm. and uh and then jason pylon mars as well as uh sarah tolamache i I might that's his wife Uh, i believe the feature is joe's
0: wife correct yep
1: yep yep and uh they were all great and uh yeah so very biased to joe and it artistically it was a great movie uh, Nick DiPaolo is in it his character he plays is so like is brash just like
0: like Nick DiPaolo classic,
1: classic <laughs> New Engler. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly just Nick DiPaolo just played himself um, highly recommend it it was a really great it was funny it
0: was a good yeah, movie That uh, well good I'm, I'm... Yeah. At least I have one person on my side. If I mention that I saw it, you can't watch a <laughs> Louis C.K. ever again. Um, I still listen yeah, to Michael Jackson. I'm, I, I, you know, you know. It's weird though. I cannot watch the Cosby Show. I just cannot do it anymore. Just, be, it, it, just that guy. Just knowing how full of shit he is in terms of being America's Dad and all that stuff. And I love the Cosby Show. I think it was one of the best traditional format sitcoms ever. So.
1: And it's also one of those things like, just a, uh, just a guy who's trying to force clean comedy down everyone's throat, just like...
0: Morality uh, down everyone's throat, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just so... Uh, there's so something inauthentic about all that that oh. I can't stand.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you, we've got a few minutes left, but I was really intrigued. I know you, um, you, uh, you were down in Austin recently and you did a set at Kill Tony. Um, tell us yeah. about that. That's really cool.
1: Man, that was awesome. That was, that was talk about a peak experience. That was so cool. Um, I I was there for two weeks purposely planned so that I could try getting on kill Tony twice. Mm -hmm. Um, and the first time did not get my name pulled, but my buddy, uh, David Santafani, who actually grew up in Rochester and, uh, just like me and did a little bit of stand up Michigan now lives in Austin. He, I got to see him go up, had a great set. And then I got my, my name pulled the next week, that next Monday. And I could feel in my bones all day. I was like, I'm going to get pulled. I just know it. And, uh, and, uh, went up and had a great set and had some fun banter with them up there. And, and that was really cool. Cause when the show got released, you know, I got like a nice little uptick in followers, which was fun on Instagram and stuff. And, um, and then because I did well on this, on, on Kill Tony, Brian Redband, you know, who like helped founded a uh, Joe Rogan podcast, all that jazz. He asked me to be on his secret show, which wow. is the show a couple days later. Um, that Thursday, Thursday nights in Austin, and so I got to share a green room with like Tony Hinchcliffe, uh, he was there for a little bit, but then like Josh Potter, pretty big comic, um I, he might have done the castle actually, uh, at some point yes, in the yep. past. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Josh Potter was there, Um, just being able to sit with Brian Redband was wild, and talking with him, and, and some other names, and you know, Hans Kim was in there, being able to see him, hang out with him. So yeah, it was, Man, it's such a cool experience, and
0: then and not to mention uh, Austin's a great town too.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a definitely a party city. You can see it's uh, it, it it brings out the uh, the sins in people for sure if you yeah. hang around six three too much. But uh, the commie there is really amazing right yeah. now. So I'm definitely looking forward to going back down.
0: I'll be down there in a couple of weeks. I think that'll be my fifth or sixth time 100%. in Austin. And although I love it, it's it's one of the towns in America. I mean, uh, from where I'm at in life, and as you grow older, you're, you know, you're just more aware of, holy shit, it's happening to me. I'm getting older. But Austin is such yeah. a young city and the energy. God damn, do I feel yeah. like a dinosaur there. But I still have my fun. <laughs> I still are you going
1: to do comedy when you're down
0: there? I don't think so. I've got a friend um, who's got quite a bit of pull down there. He works for a company called C3 who are huge promoters. Uh, they're the promoters of Lollapalooza. And I've had a couple of opportunities that I've just chickened out on um, that uh, I'll take advantage of at some point in time that's the that's story that's the story of my that's the story of my life. I've got some hookups and opportunities to do sets that I chicken out of and why I do I don't know. If you can psychoanalyze me over a couple shots of tequila next time I see you, I'll appreciate it.
1: I would love to. Plan.
0: <laughs> well, I've enjoyed catching up. I always enjoy bumping into you when we're out there. I enjoy your I enjoy your material. That's why I wanted to have you on. Um, I know you've had um, have you had two Castle weekends now, and I know you've got one coming up next year too. Correct?
1: Yep, have, I've had two. Uh, next one is in April with uh, Ian Bagg. Oh, that's right! God, is he awesome? Yeah, I'm really excited. He's a, yeah, he's a, he's such a great crowd work comic, and yeah, the weekend of April twentieth
0: awesome well i can i can guarantee you i'll i will be at uh at the ian bag show so that's that's awesome you know i did a I did a guest set last time he was in town and I was so we hit it off on the show and you know I'm a big hockey fan and of course you know Ian's got the great if you're a hockey fan listen to his podcast with Jeff Sharples but um, you know we hit it off on the show hey I'm going to be doing a guest set and I just had, I had dreams of us just laughing in the green room and throwing back beers and talking hockey and I know he didn't see my set and I got to talk to him for two minutes it just did not work out the way I hope but. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he's that, a super he's comedy- a super nice guy he just got to the club late he be kind of he kind of um strikes me as a type of guy because of his act and what he does he doesn't want to be in the club too early and get a sense he just yeah. wants to go out and, and 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 go after him and it's just such a brilliant comic so
1: cool well yes. i've enjoyed yeah. this
0: man glad we were able to put yeah. it together
1: Likewise. yeah thank you so much i appreciate you having me
0: thanks tyler <laughs> Hey, ladies and gentlemen, on the other end of my line is one of the favorite sons of Detroit comedy, John Heffron. Thanks so much for doing this, John.
2: I um, I appreciate it. <laughs> and I also come along with my own sound effects, too. I, <laughs> I was I wondering what, what that it, was. I thought maybe you I like... I find it te- it's helpful. I thought
0: you maybe walked into a high school football game wherever you're at, so... Yeah, there's, there's something
2: about talking with music underneath you. It makes almost anything um, seem just, you know, more. It, seems, it just makes it cooler anytime there's a music bed.
0: Well, one of the first things that I was excited to talk to you about and tell you is a lot of people don't know this. A lot of our listeners don't know this, but the, the Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast studios are actually in south Lyon, michigan <laughs> the ancestral home of of yourself and you are you're a very big shot in this town still
2: yeah i don't even know i um, you know unless it's uh you know from your house which that's what everybody does but i can't uh you know i know every building there right? <laughs> i would even think where would there be um a a secret podcast location
0: yes it, it is it is from it is from a lovely home in a subdivision across from south line high school which i understand is your alma mater so i've, I've been well out are it.
2: you from are you from the new the high school that's been around for a long time
0: well i know you and i are about the same age so i've got to clarify this so we still in this town you you run into some people who call it new uh you know uh when you talk about the high school but now they just call it South Line High. So I guess it was built right around 1990, which might have been about when you were graduating or getting out of town, I suppose. Yeah,
2: I was done. I was done, done with, with it in the 80s. Um, but it's every generation because there was actually a high school before the one I was in. And there were people old enough that when you said, a oh, lot, uh, you know, I'm in high school, and then they tell you about how they went to school in the old high school the first one ever which is on some back street where there used to be an elementary school but that's been torn down and then the middle school which when i was growing up had zero windows zero (laughs) by that middle school and look and just imagine it as just a, a a like a small prison with zero windows that's how it was And I I drive by it, and I see that they have big glass windows, and I just think kids today with with the
0: windows. (laughs) Well, they're middle schools now. I know one of them. And it's funny, with how relatively progressive the world has become, and even Southline Michigan falling in tow, the two middle schools now are side-by-side on the same campus, and one of them is for high achieving kids and the other one is for i guess what you would call in the old days more of a vocational route so nothing like building up those kids self-esteem putting the smart ones right next to the dumb ones <laughs> and, and
2: letting everyone know yeah so i think one of those right one of those middle schools is the actual place where i went to high school Yes. that it, was the that's where i went to school the uh yeah
0: Centennial or Millennium? It's one of the
2: two. Very, very clever. I was at Centennial, and then they added a Millennial, and then, um, yeah, the old high school. My here, I have memories of that school. There was a whole corner of that high school when I walked by. You kind of had to take the long way, depending on where your bus dropped you off, but because all the smokers... If you walk by them, you would get, you just get a lot of shit. And this is, keep in mind, people who are listening, when I say smokers, I'm talking about high school students that were given a specific area to smoke in. Yeah. It's crazy. So if you were, if you were a senior in school, I guess you were allowed to smoke outside and it was there. I just have memories of just a billion kids. And when you walk by them, they were kind of behind a little fence. Uh, those guys would yell at you because you were just a little, little kid and you weren't old enough to smoke. So I just remember a lot of bell-bottoms-ish and a lot of mesh shirts that had numbers on it and varsity jackets just being told, I, you know, well, it's, I was a wuss. Well,
0: it's funny, you know, f- fans of you and your comedy know, I mean, what... Your magic potion, in my opinion, is your material is so relatable. I mean, you, you, you take stuff that people experience in everyday life or growing up. We've all had these experiences, and you make it funny. And that scene you just depicted... That's every high school in America in the in in, in the nineteen eighties. You know, the, I I grew yeah. up a few towns over. I grew up in Farmington Hills, but we had the same. You had to run a gauntlet from the parking lot into the school of the smokers and the shady dudes and the jocks and the, I mean, and it, it it's <laughs> I can picture it because I I lived it and that's that's the way. Yeah, I can. I remember being very
2: um. What's the word? You could you could pick the kid. Almost, you could pick the radio station that they listened to, because that was the only. or oh, that was the only place where you got music, right? So you had the Riff guys, you had the Wheels guys, then you had the uh, Hot, uh, whatever Tower ninety six point three, yeah. yeah. like you. So you got that, and then music wasn't that. Um, and you could listen to like New Edition or somewhat rappish type stuff on regular. They haven't. They didn't really kind of split it up. Like, did you now, New Wave was just starting to come in. Maybe if you were just super geeky or just really into the know, you'd you listen to WDRQ, oh, which, wow. was out of, which was out of Wayne Canada. Wayne State. Oh, I thought it was like the Wayne State campus. Oh, it could have been the Wayne State one, yeah. So, But you could tell by everyone's locker, like if they had RIP stickers or wheels. And everybody had just allegiance to... Whatever radio station that they wore, and you know, that people got in fights. If you were to new wave, uh, you know, I think we called them burnouts back then. Uh, the guys who had like feathered hair and chains and you know, uh, kind of uh, bell bottoms. It's funny now because now, so that was you know, very high school, and you think that's very immature. Um, but that's what kids kids do but now i see it uh you know with adults that are older than me they do it with their news stations
0: the Same. <laughs> i never yeah there there is a correlation and a parallel did, so do you think did did the wheels kids end up being fox news guys and the drq kids are msnbc <laughs> have you thought it through yeah, that
2: I mean, much <laughs> it would, yeah it would be great to have had some type of survey you know um I, I I just think you know now that I live back in Michigan and just reading some of the posts because I'm I get so not political on stage or just even on my social it's just exhausting even if I have opinions I'll tell them to the people um, if it comes up but I just won't make general political statements online because it just it gets exhausting defending yourself well
0: and you and you never have too. it's not like you know some some people uh and, and i didn't i didn't tell you in the intro I'm, I'm a comic as well so i i i never really was a political guy i mean i've got my opinions and if someone wants to buy me a beer off mic i'll i'll, I'll tell them but I always kind of stayed away from that, and it's it's pretty smart to do that nowadays. But you've always been kind of apolitical in your act, and you've been you've been out there for a long time. At least in the twenty years that I've been aware of your material, I can't think of any real political stuff in it, and that's a good thing. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I have almost none, and if I do, it was very. I walked the line, and it was I. I thought the joke was always good because both sides laughed, and they didn't know why. You know? Yeah. And uh, so I always thought I got one over on everybody when we started plot. I don't even remember the joke. I had a joke about uh, the car, how to go rolling down the window in the back seat of the car and it falling into the door. Uh, and now we got these windows that uh, only go down halfway. And I pretended I was some guy going... The government isn't going to tell me how far I can roll down my windows. If I want my kids falling out of the car while (laughs) I'm driving on the freeway, that's my right. Like, I would do it. But then people were clapping because I'm obviously going, this is a horrible parent. If his kids want to die, then that's the thing. But then the people were like, yeah, the government can't tell me how to roll down my window. Then they're applauding. And you're kind of like, mm, I was kind of making fun of everybody right there. <laughs> but yeah. And now you can do that all day long with everything that's going on in the world now. That's, uh, that's well, easy to it's, do. It's although, such... Oh, go ahead. No, although it's, you know, now after 30-some years of comedy, when I see all my com- you know comic friends or acquaintances, I guess, I see how well they're doing and just, you know, how far left or far right that they've gone. Um, and I know some people that have definitely, definitely have done it uh, as a cash grab. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Which, which shows you, like if tomorrow I decide to go be way right uh, winged, it's easy to do, it's easy. You just gotta say the same couple phrases and everybody's, everybody's cheering for you, and you're selling out a lot of tickets. Or if you go the opposite, um, same thing too. I think it's very, just very um, manipulating, and uh, that's why I, I fall right in the middle. I'm not trying to be because it, it's it's easy. How easy it would be to be, you know, something. Well, so I kind of refuses.
0: I it. was one of one of the questions that I wrote down when I was doing prep for the show was so myself like. Probably ninety five percent of our listeners here became aware of you when uh, probably with Last Comic Standing. I think you won one of the early years, and uh, I, I think you were on a couple seasons. So, and just knowing you were a Michigan guy, we always thought that was cool. And hey, but it's like it's like an iceberg; people only see a small portion above the surface. You had done, you had already been on the road and done quite a bit in comedy, and, and were kind of a college comic before you even were on Last Comic Standing. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I started doing a stand up, you know, when I was in college. And then the super short version of that, it was, I was really clean as a MC, but it kind of every comic was. Like, the, if you were a little dirty, you got branded with, he's the most dirtiest person, even though now every MC that I ever see is as dirty. As the guy who's branded the dirtiest as a headliner. Well, right? nobody, so nobody wants
0: to be an MC anymore if we want to go down that rabbit hole. My blood well, pressure's already spiked. <laughs>
2: so, so what happened to me was uh, I was clean, like, you know, because headliners like clean acts in front of them. You just learn that as you get older and yep. stuff like that. You don't want anyone messing up the room too bad. But I was also a really, really good MC. So if if Ridley or one of the Chaplin's guys or if I was, you know, Yoda or just guys that, you know, wielded power back then, if they tell me go on stage you have four minutes, I, I find a way to go on stage just do one or two jokes somehow. And then also plug all the other comics that were coming, and then also plug the chicken tenders or whatever drink, yep. all within that four minutes that they gave me to get up, to go on stage. Because I learned early on, all those club owners could care less about my stand up and more of, was I, you know, was I plugging yeah. or whatever? They, because their are business to sell chicken tenders and yep. blues. Yep. So I would just, so then because of that, at that time, I don't remember the exact number, but I was a two-hour drive to maybe six weeks of comedy. I, I would bet. So all during college, I worked almost every weekend uh, as an MC, and you know, as one money, I would you know make delivering pizzas. But then, you know, then you kind of get out of that and up but i think that's an art that is gone because there's so many mcs that i work with that are horrible that i literally and i hate saying anything to anybody but i literally will say do you need to write because i don't even really have an intro but if if they mess it up so bad and not even give you any type of street cred the way i you know I go, do you need to write it down so you can read it before you bring me up? Or is there a way that you can, you know, I used to be afraid of headliners if I messed up their intro. Oh, yeah. It was kind of nothing. I mean, even super nice guys like Michigan guys like Haywood Banks or whatever. I remember swearing in front of that guy once, and I still think about it. Well, you know, it was 25. You know, Rob Little, right?
0: Yeah. So my very first paid MC weekend was at Joey's. M scene for rob middle uh, or rob little the middle was in from minneapolis i forget his name but he was fantastic i was nervous as hell and of course i screwed up a couple things and i know rob now after the fact on shows a great guy but he read me the riot act and i'm glad he did you know it kind of snapped me into like okay it's important to get these words out properly <laughs> and not do crowd work not to you know, I'd uh, I would try and do some crowd work as a, as as the MC, and you know I learned the hard way. But I'm glad. Yeah. But my my ambition was when I started doing mics, I was like, God, what if I get good enough that someone will pay me to MC shows? That was that was the goal back then. But now, I just think the way things have changed culturally is, I think there's a lot of up and coming comics who believe they can skip those steps, and I, I don't think you can.
2: What? Yeah, well, and, well, or they do, because I I can name eight. Now we sound like old guys going, boy, when I was starting this, but there's eight billion uh, people headlining um, and selling out shows that I think are mediocre middle acts at best, Mm -hmm. but they have a really popular podcast. Yeah. So then that, that creates them. Now, then now they sell tickets, so now they're headliners, even though their act sucks. Hey,
0: like wait, wait. That wasn't a shot at me in the Comedy Castle podcast, that was, was it? Just, That was 100%
2: shot at you. <laughs> I'll edit it out. Yeah, no big deal. I, I, I always thought it would <laughs> I, I be a fun game where, you know, there's so many comics. And what happened now, um, even, you know, it didn't happen when I was going, is – when I first started at the Chaplains that no longer exist or Ridley's or whatever, you would perform, but the audience wouldn't know who you were. Right. So like there was a time where people would just show up at a comedy club and they go, well, I, this guy says he's been at even at the improv, he should," but nobody knows. Right. So there's a whole generation of comics that, you know, lucky for them, have an awesome podcast and people show up and they just want to see them. But I wish there was some type of thing where I could take one or two or three of them and put them in front of an audience that's not theirs and just watch the death just happen. Well, it's, you You know, know I mean, like there's there's a couple of people I just want to grab and go. Let me just put you second show Friday in Pittsburgh (laughs) are people who do not listen to your podcast. Well, and they're just going to, you oh, know.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and what's the cool thing about comedy, I talk a lot about on this show, too, is there, even on the loop I'm in, which is, you know, the, the the Midwest loop, there's comics that people have never heard of that you drop them in a bowling alley in Saginaw and they will destroy the place. And then I think of yeah. some of the big, big names I've opened up for. And if you were to teleport them into the same gig they'd get torn limb for limb and that's just that's just a fact there are so I, I, and and i appreciate all different types of comedy it it, it it doesn't make you a great comic because you can do a set in saginaw on a friday night but it's just a different it's a different landscape yeah. now and you're also a testimony i get a, i got so excited when mark sent me the list of people to talk to this month because i'm when you came up wasn't there just in the detroit area alone you had Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, you had Ridley's, you had was there still a chaplain's East and West? I know there was an East. Yeah, um, when I
2: when I when I was started there was both. You know, so you had you had back. both.
0: you had Joey. So I'm counting, ladies and gentlemen, I think I'm at six. And then Holly Hotel uh, was still going, uh, would have been going at that time. So I'm thinking for an MC to middle level comic when you were first starting getting started, uh, you know, whether it's late 80s, early 90s, you would have had seven clubs within a hundred mile radius. We're I mean, not even,
2: yeah, there was also a, a, a Toledo. Then there was yeah. also a Cleveland. Con- Lansing um, had
0: uh, connections. Must have there been was going there
2: Yeah. Uh, there was a, 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 funny business had one in Grand Rapids, not the one that's there now, but they had one. So it was more, it was probably higher than 10. And I would do that. I would jump in my car, drive to Cleveland, host the show, jump back in my car and drive back to Eastland for class. And I would do that, you know, that whole week, that week, Thursday through Saturday. So then when I graduated from college, all my material was geared around being in college because that's what, you know, that was my age. So then i go to the NACA conferences and I just crushed because everything out of my mouth was relatable college students and having roommates and, and this and that and I never you know I didn't get political I didn't talk about race you know all this stuff college kids at the time now they don't want you to say anything but at the time we're like this is this is thing so then I ended up doing 150 I think one year maybe 200 colleges the second year um, just literally non-stop the did colleges back
0: at that time too? Um, did they pay pretty well? Was that was that a good gig
2: compared to what you could get in a club? I made because I just saw I was just cleaning out because I moved uh, my old college uh, notebook. You know, uh, and this is where I get mad thinking about all the money I have made and all the money I don't have. <laughs> but I was getting at at nine, you know, night twenty years old or something. Like seven seven hundred fifty a show, but I was doing two two hundred a year. Wow! You know, so like I don't for a twenty one year old that was good, that was good coin.
0: Yeah, and you didn't have you didn't have some some agent taking it out of your pocket back then. I wouldn't think either.
2: No, I had everybody. I had agents and managers were all you know all there. But still, I mean that's well, I don't. You know you know I don't see that consistent money now 35 years later. I w- so it was so it was cool because then you also had I had just a crazy amount of stage time also. So then when I ended up moving to a city um, to Chicago before I moved to Los Angeles, I kind of felt like I w- wasn't in that open mic sphere mm-hmm. like where a lot of new guys had to try to get into the city. to perform here and I kind of had a little bit of an attitude of I just made a quarter of a million dollars last year and I just did a hundred shows I'm not sitting outside (laughs) to get on stage you know uh,
0: well you, you earned your stripes was it so when you went to LA then you had already had a pretty decent career and some heat, as they say, in the industry. Did you find it tough
2: then to reestablish out there with stage time? Yeah. So so what happened there is I went there. I don't know the order of things. If I had a Comedy Central special, if I got one of those pretty quick, if I got a Tonight Show pretty quick, um... But so I moved out there mm-hmm. and I auditioned for a bunch of TV shows and got on them. It was literally like the first week or two where I, got, I was on Friends and then ER wanted to have me for Rio Road just because I looked like a 20-something-year-old. Uh, I didn't know how to act. Actually, wasn't a fan of it. Mm-hmm. And somewhere, and I might be off on a couple months here, um, I got a call from Q95 here in detroit the radio station and dick Curtin was leaving and they wanted to put together a morning show
0: well oh that would have been the danny bonaduce years as we know to follow that so then
2: yeah so i'm literally in los angeles maybe six months and then i get called and asked if i want to come back to detroit and do morning radio and i never did morning radio before uh i was kind of bombing in los angeles it was weird because that, that's when this alternative comedy thing started to happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was basically comics who bombed, but were somehow really popular. So Jimmy <laughs> Graffalo, Patton Oswald. There's all these, these people who are really funny now, but there was an era where just like grunge music, it wasn't cool to have premises and bits and kind of, you know, hey, remember this toy? Like nobody was doing that. People, it was just, it was really weird. And I remember Tim Allen's manager told me, hey, you should get involved with this crowd. This is, you know, this is the hip happening people. So I kept going to their shows, and I was just, maybe it's the South Island guy in me, but I was so bored. And I'm like, so do do they do the setup for the jokes on Tuesday and then next Thursday is when they're going to do the punchline? Because this is, I can't do this. Whatever this is, I can't. Um, so that kinda didn't happen, and then I'd have some auditions, you know, where I had to do stand up like let's say at the improv for producers, or this is you know back when they were trying to find the new sitcom guy. Things are different now, but I would do it, and I just wasn't killing as much as uh I was you know any other place, so then, when I got the call for Michigan to come back and do radio, I kind of hemmed and hard forever. And then decided, well, I'll do it, but I'm going to keep my apartment here, and I'll just go back to Detroit for a second, and then we'll just kind of see what happens. Um, So I literally jumped back in my car, and I subleased my apartment to my buddy Joel, and I drove back to Michigan. And then we started a morning show in, like, 95. And then Bonaduce left, and then we had Kevin O'Neill, then this Steve Cochran guy came, so now we're almost at two thousand. Um, and, and wasn't then, it real cutthroat
0: th- back then too? Some of our younger listeners probably won't even realize how big of a deal local radio was in any large market. But I, if I'm going back to like late '90s, I even think Stern was piped in syndicated. Drew and Mike Stern. had a huge show. Yeah, uh, they had a huge one. Uh, God, what were some uh, of the The, uh, the uh, Johnny, it was Johnny in the Morning was on ninety six point three. Um, the jlb the urban uh morning show was huge, was huge. the numbers here, that they was, did was uh, crazy
2: there was um uh uh cross-dresser guy girl i don't sorry i don't know your pronouns <laughs> but uh, trixie yes yeah, Trixie. Her, yeah. hit, her name was trixie um never was a fan and you guys uh, had
0: good ratings wasn't it wasn't it a, a pretty well-rated show too
2: yeah, we had really good ratings. Um, our off-air antics did not match the songs we were playing. Mm-hmm. We'd have crazy stories about what happened to each of us the night before, but we're you know, but we about to play Saloon Dion, so we, we couldn't <laughs> tell the story into a Hanson song. But, yeah, an uh, odd mix. I was loving it. I mean, I was 25. I, I got tickets to everything in the world. I would get paid to show up at Industry or... The Velvet Lounge or just, you oh know. Oh, my uh, God. I haven't the, thought of Industry or the Velvet. Theater.
0: Gosh, Industry. Yeah, that was the, something, something. I was just in Pontiac yesterday, and I had a tear running down my cheek like the, the old public service litter, you know, the American Indian with the tear running down. Yeah. I was, remember for a minute. Like Pontiac came back. They had the World Cup matches there, and there was a lot of investment. There was cool clubs. I mean, shit. I saw the Stone Temple Pilots and Tool and the Flaming Lips yeah. at Phoenix Plaza. Now it is so depressing.
2: Yeah, no, my buddies owned uh, the Velvet Lounge, and that was a cool thing. i we go to, to Industry, um, you know, all those all those super fun places at twenty five, and I'd walk in. Everyone would know my nasally voice. But then I think in maybe 2000s-ish, they brought in a new um, show, uh, 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 Mojo. Yeah. Um, Who and, still is on
0: and is a very popular, it's not my cup of tea,
2: but it's he, a very popular show. He does, yeah. And he's been there longer than, I mean, look how long those guys have been there. Yeah. Um, and everyone's super cool. I, you know, keep in mind, I was also in my mid-20s when I met them. Uh, And I also felt like I got fired because of them. So there was a little bit of that twang in my voice where I think they wanted me to stay. But then I just didn't want to feel like I came with the studio. And then I think I said something shitty about one of them on on message blogs or whatever. (laughs) And then they got up in my face. I'm like, I'm I'm done with the I'm done with the zoo. You guys can have fun Monday morning asking people, call in, give us your favorite color. I, what, what do you do? I would use orange. Oh, come on. <laughs> no one uses
0: orange. Oh, our, um, our listeners are going to hold me accountable if I don't ask you. Was Bonaducci cool to you? Was he cool to work with? He's kind of a polarizing guy in showbiz and has burned some bridges. But for you particular, what was the interaction like?
2: when we had it it was it was very um it went day by day. So that's you know, and who'd even admit this and has uh you just didn't know what person you were getting that day. And that's usually harder to deal with than somebody who's you know, somebody who's a douche. You know they're a douche and you know you know, the douches are kind of easy to manipulate. Consistently you know, consistently degrees. douchey.
0: Consi- there's There's an album title for you if you ever need it. I don't think yeah, would there's,
2: <laughs> but would But when, you know, you have one day, you know, someone offering you extra money to do this or giving you this opportunity, you're like, yes, this guy's the greatest. And then the next day, something not like that would happen. You're like, oh, I'm on a roller coaster. Uh, he was actually nicer than me than anybody else. Um, I kind of, you know, he he put his wrath towards other people on the show. He never seemed Um, to be thrilled about being in Detroit. And as you know, Detroiters Detroiters take great offense. Yeah. I don't think he knew he was in Detroit. And I only say that because I think he wrote a book where he talked about that he was on like Xanax or some type of just downer. Um, pills like excessively the whole time he was here.
0: Yeah, that. Well, and yeah, i he kind of
2: yeah. And his in his book he kind of even referenced that he didn't even remember being in Detroit. Well, we'll talk
0: about feeling old. I I guess I should back up and tell a portion of our listeners that Danny bondaducci was what one of the original child stars he was uh uh the partridge family he was he was a super star when he was probably age six seven and uh and uh you know had had his showbiz trials and tribulations and then ended up uh, a dj in detroit so for for some of our, our listeners who are googling who's this bonaduce we're talking about he was a fascinating uh, and is a fascinating character in in the showbiz canon i guess i would phrase it that way yeah um so let me we've we got to wrap in a few minutes so there's something for for selfish reasons i've got to ask you about a south line urban legend so I didn't even know. So I didn't grow up in South Line, but I've lived here now for 20 years. It's been a great community to raise my kids, and they'll probably bury me in the backyard. But um, when I first started doing comedy around here, uh, the legendary South Line Hotel, uh, matter of fact, I was going to record my first album, and the recording was the night that it burnt down (laughs) five or six Uh years ago. That's not a good Uh omen for showbiz. But when I first played that place, the manager and a couple people said, "Did you know that John Hefferns from um, South Lyon and that he used to do his?" He, he, they said that you worked in a grocery store in town and you used to do your material like in the aisles of the store or something like that, or with your coworkers. Maybe one of them. So, did you? Were you a? Were you in the grocery business in South Lyon, and did you used to work on material there?
2: I worked at Colonial Market, which was right next to. Well, it used to be Brown's uh, restaurant, but now it's Lefty Mike's. But so, oh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the root beer stand. That place was awesome.
0: So there was a market yeah, down there? Yeah, so that
2: was, that was Brown's uh, in my day. And then next to it, there was a grocery store called Colonial Market, um, just right next door, right across the parking lot. Um, so I would do that. I would, at right about closing time, I would just get on the, you know, the PA system, <laughs> and I would do hor—I would just do horrible announcements that we kind of heard throughout the day. You know, we're like, yeah. hey, uh, you know, Lynette, is there any way you can bring up uh, da da da? The the heavy lady with the Afghan shirt wants to make the, <laughs> is too lazy to walk. Like I would start to just, and you would hear. You know, just through the aisles, the guys stocking floors or washing floors, you'd hear them laugh. So I kind of started doing that all the time where the cashiers would go, Hey, we're just going back and do like, so I would do funny messages that you really would never hear over yeah, the. That's
0: ringing. That's over. now that's what he, yeah. I, I remember him telling me something about the PA or you getting on a PA. That's we're, yeah. we're cut from the same cloth. When I was about when I was in my early 20s, uh, I went to central Michigan and one of my buddies up in Mount Pleasant worked at the mire and he gave me the code to the PA system, and I would put on the most outrageous sales at the deli counter. As the uh, Meijer shoppers, uh, ground beef will be on sale for a nickel a pound for the yeah. next ten minutes only. Yeah. And just yeah, yeah. mayhem, and uh, that's a lot of fun. To this day, if I had the 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 PA key to any store I was in, I would jump on it. That's a, that's good fun. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that was my favorite. But it was just so fun. I mean, I would just come on and go. Hey, uh, hey, Colonial Market Shoppers, just so you know, the milk would be in the milk aisle, the same aisle it's been for 40 years. So open <laughs> your dumb eyes and see, look forward like, you know, we would just do that type of stuff. Um, we were kids, you know, I probably got in trouble once or twice.
0: Well, I'm glad, um, I, I'm glad you clarified that. And then the one final thing, I should have started with this, and I apologize for not doing it, but so I had a great time uh, yesterday and this morning brushing up uh, on your stuff. And I, I, I don't know if it's a special that's been chopped up, but it's it's relatively new stuff. It's all, you, you shot it at the Comedy Works, lots of new stuff that's at least new to me. And you've you faced some adversity in the last couple of years. How's your health? Bring us up to speed with Bell's Palsy and, and how you're doing. Oh, well, yeah, I had...
2: I had Bell's Palsy during a stint, which was completely annoying to try to do stand-up comedy. Happened to me on stage. I just lost all the feeling in the right side of my face. It's kind of like your face gets uh, paralyzed. Um, Didn't know how I was going to do comedy after that because, again, nothing worked. Um, And then somewhere right after that, I got a divorce, and then I didn't know where I was going to live. So I moved back to Michigan with my two old dogs uh, that were 15 years old at the time. And then Corona kind of happened all during that. So it's been one of those it's been one of those moments, you know, where you go, what? And then, you know, clubs aren't really booking people again or if they are, it's only YouTube stars. So it's so it's a thing. And but then uh, I recently got engaged so I kind of have the. I feel like there's this. Um, I'm trying to like label it almost like I'm doing my second lap. Like I went through, right? And I went through the whole rotation. Yeah, I saw. I saw it, that I, on social media. Congrats! And yeah, so now it's kind of like it's my second time through. Now you know, trying to perform again um, at fun places because I'm kind of done. Like I've performed everywhere you can perform and after 35 years I know it's just a means to an end you can just do that forever and you're not necessarily healthier, you're not necessarily richer um, than if you didn't, Um, so that's why I've been doing shows up north we found a couple bowling alleys we performed in and, and had a thousand people show up at those me and the guy I do my podcast with, John Reap now we just decided come spring that we want to do some um, uh, roller rinks where our show's at the roller rink, and then me and John Reap will DJ for the <laughs> all skate after our show. So now we're just kind of doing fun stuff um, just to be fun. Hey, I like used to know, know the
0: owners of Bonaventure over in Farmington Hills. I wonder if it's the same that, people. That,
2: <laughs> yeah, I wonder, because that's the name that, that, I, you know, that I said. Um, that place is it's awesome. Kind of, it's it's just, still there. Yeah, because comedy is just weird now. Like you, it's everybody just wants to complain, or, or they're just waiting for something in your act that's going to get them, get them all riled up, and that seems to be the new fad. Um, and it's exhausting. It's not fun. No, and, and I mean I. Yeah, you
0: know. it's, we talk so much about uh I was just we had Rocky Laporte on last week and, you know, Rocky goes way back. And we we talk with some of the older, uh more experienced guys about how in the time we're living in right now, a lot of people call it a comedy boom. And here I'm uh, my listeners are going to puke because I'm getting in my soapbox again. But it's not a comedy boom. If clubs are closing, if pay is going down, if if. The slightest off-color joke is getting you crucified on social media. Just because there's a lot of Netflix specials, uh, and and there's a guy running a show out of his garage, that's not a comedy boom. It's it's a boom if people are making yeah. lit making a, a a sustainable living. And it's it is a crazy time. Not to mention now now I'm really getting on my soapbox because when you were in town the same weekend last year. I was headlining uh, Mike Green's club out in Waterford competing against you, and you and you creamed me. I'm glad I didn't do a door <laughs> deal. <laughs> that was yeah, that small well, window it's... right before things closed again, and I knew you were at the castle, and that was a tough weekend.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, I, you know, it's funny that that never goes away. There's some really big acts that I'm sure people can't get tickets for, so, uh, you know, I can mention them. That are just uh, you know at the world of music. Oh yeah, we're not going to mention the them. Fox. There's there's big shows in town next week, and you're going to do just fine. And there's so I'm like, oh man, I got to get my Detroit people out to this show. You don't roll into Detroit and do your two shows at a theater and roll out. Yeah, you don't do that. If yeah. you got you got to you know.
0: No, that's so, that's why we're thrilled to have you on. Mark Mark is excited that you were able to do this, and we'll we' we'll, we'll hopefully ring the cash register for you uh when, yeah the when you're shows in town. are I
2: already looked online there's a lot of shows have a sparkly amount of tickets yet which is always good so if you're listening, I would go right now to the ComedyCastle.com, uh pick a show and find your seats now it's it's less than a week away um uh-huh. Later shows always have a little bit more room than those earlier ones. Cause listen, I'm going to do shows at at three and four. I, I don't I don't want to do a seven and a ten. So I, I wish I wish really would just get that in his head that I will do. Give me a residency, and I'll do four o'clock every Saturday. Well, Mark
0: basically pioneered the modern show format with the MC middle headliner. Maybe he'll be the pioneer of the two thirty matinee. Maybe that's his I mean, next thing it, to conquer. They,
2: they do it in Branson. They do it in Gallenberg, And you figure, <laughs> you know, if you've been a John Heffern fan and following me, we're all about the same age. And 10 years from now, we're all going to be about the same age. And that's going to be the perfect time that we're going to want a 4 o'clock show. So that's why I'm going to start a mailing list for the 4 o'clock show now. I'm going to build it over the next 10 years. And then, uh, boom, we're back to selling out all the time. Hey, thanks. Very important. Thanks so much for doing Thursday's this John. Thursday's gonna be good. Friday late shows probably got a little room. Those early shows Friday, Saturday. I don't know. Maybe get lucky. But either way, you got to go check it out at ComedyCastle.com. Got a bunch of new stuff. We're gonna dust off some old stuff. Bring friends that have never seen me. It's uh, it's it's time for uh, it's time for me to reclaim. To reclaim my city. <laughs> well, and hey, I'm the I'm the
0: I'm the point man on the on the John Heffron um, statue in downtown South Lyon. We're we're Perfect. still a little bit short. We got enough for a foundation. Cool. Maybe you know, maybe we can get something cooking and get a full on yeah. bronze statue that the yeah. the pigeons can roost on for eternity. Perfect. <laughs> hey, Sounds thanks good. so much for doing this, John. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take thanks, care. Bud. Bye. There you have it. Thank you to Tyler. Thank you to thank you to John Heffron for speaking to us last year. And sorry that it didn't work out this time. Uh, But he will be those shows that I mentioned at the top of this episode, those five shows. I have a feeling that all of them could sell out a lot of years. They do. John's got a ton of fans here in the Detroit area. So do not dilly dally. Get your tickets right now. Give you the number one more time, 248 542 Go to the Comedy Castle website, comedycastle.com. Get your tickets right there. And also look for Tyler Nissen at a club near you. He's a terrific comic. You will not be disappointed. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners. And thank you to all of our great, great patrons at the Comedy Castle itself. Again, we've been on such a run of tremendous shows, so many sellouts and near sellouts over the last six weeks. It really is mind-boggling and it's deeply appreciated from everyone at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Thank you as always to Joel Fregomeni who does such a great job in producing these shows for us. Thank you to all of you. Keep spreading the word. Share, like, leave a comment, tell your friends about it. We'll keep bringing you interviews week in and week out with the top comics in America. Until next time, this is Tom McCarthy for Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle
2: podcast guitar solo